0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another Zodiac Sessions podcast. I'm your host, Blake Howard. Uh, For all of our patrons, thank you so much. Just really to everyone for your incredible support. I thought I would dip back into the well. I do have a lot more um, uh, extended Zodiac Sessions chats from the show to release to you guys. But as the tagline on the poster says, there are more ways to lose your life to <laughs> to a serial killer. I have lived and breathed that with this film. I've lived and breathed that with the show. So I've been kind of like, I needed to have a break from Zodiac for a time after that final episode aired. Um, it was such an incredible experience. And I think maybe it's the best technical thing we've ever achieved here. So I'm pretty proud of it. But one of, A new friend, if you like, um, that I've been making along the way sort of stumbled into the life of the Zodiac Chronicle podcast when I stumbled into his life. I stumbled into obsessing over his absolutely terrific podcast, uh, which uh, he's a filmmaker himself as well, but he's got a terrific podcast, which right now is in its light, the fuselage stage, but really he and Drew Taylor have created... Light the Fuse, which is the ultimate Mission Impossible podcast. And when he doesn't, when he doesn't obsess over everything Tom Cruise, including his haircuts, his stunts, whether or not there is or isn't a submarine in his upcoming films, he is maybe one of the peak Zodiac obsessives uh, that I've met along the Zodiac Chronicle journey. So I thought it would be kind of remiss of me because we didn't get a chance Excuse me. My voice is like turning like Kathleen Turner in the middle of this goddamn intro, I don't know what the hell's going on, but <laughs> we didn't get a chance to talk on the show. He will be a part of our next podcaster and commander series. As I start to build and, uh, and create and shape that, but I thought it would be great to get Mr. Charles hood on a Zodiac session to talk all things. Zodiac Charles, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Uh,
1: thank you so much for having me. Yeah. I'm, uh, you know. Absolutely obsessed with this movie, like you said. So it's it's uh, I, I I was listening to every minute, pouring over your uh, your podcast that you did the miniseries you did on on Zodiac, and I loved every minute of it. It was such an amazing breakdown of the whole movie, and it made me. I mean, I've seen the movie. I've, I've kept a log of the last. 10 years actually 11 years now of of all the movies that i've watched uh, a few friends and i have like a, a google doc where we we share all the movies that we watch and and i've like done a count and that's by far the movie i've watched the most in the last 11 years
0: it's our it i firstly it's such a thing for fans of zodiac to share a google doc to track each other's movies so i just
1: want i just
0: wanna, I mean, yes it is movie. they are all
1: they are all my friends are also obsessed with the movie as well so
0: yeah. oh god that's so wonderful um but yeah look you sent me you sent me a lovely note actually you're pouring through the series i thought this might be a nice spot to start because we're talking about you know you wrestling with armstrong uh as a character because toshi is you know Dave Tosky's obsessed, and Armstrong is on the outside, and 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 we were there had been a few times that we've been talking about throughout the series about it, how March Anthony as Armstrong was like an amazing character, and I always felt that he was in it, and like unlike you know Gyllenhaal or unlike Mark Ruffalo who uh, and and even to a certain extent Robert Downey Jr. Um uh how he was able to disconnect himself and we were we were kind of getting into a talk about like what what's your interpretation like he how his obsession rolls and so i think that that would be a nice spot to start because i've always found armstrong and when i first preliminarily watched it you know i think or or at least the first 20 times. Oh my God, I don't even know how many times I've watched Zodiac these days. <laughs> but, or in parts. That's the other thing. When I was doing HEAT, people were like, How many times have you watched the movie? I said, Look, probably conservatively 200. Um, I said, But I couldn't count all the times that I just watched 20 minutes of it. And you don't log 20 minutes on Letterboxd or in yeah. your shared Google Doc like a psycho. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, guys, I watched 20 minutes of Zodiac this afternoon. Like, your friends would literally go, Charles, you need help. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Um, but, yeah, I I, I watched so many times segments of this movie um, for the show. And I kept thinking about Armstrong, and I was just like, there's a point, I don't know, like, whether you're doing an art project, whether you're making a film, whether you've done a job, whether you do something, that there's a point where you're like, I don't know what else i've got like i don't know what else i've got to give to this that's gonna make this better and so when i've always now come back to it and i've watched him and i've watched him to to that point i i come to this realization that i'm like i feel a great deal of empathy for him instead of the preliminary betrayal that i must have felt you know (laughs) feeling more aligned to ruffalo and Toski, because i'm like no he realized that to go to give any more of himself was to take away from who like for, take away from his life to take away from being a dad to take away even more so being a husband being a dad having a family and I think that that's a kind of brave thing at the end to be like I can't I can't do a, a brave awareness I can't do anything else if I give anything more of myself I'm done I can't do it
1: yeah, I think, I mean, that was something that listening to your show, it made me think about that. I hadn't really dug into as much before, but the, the Armstrong Toski relationship. And, and I, I think you actually responded to my email. And I think you might've disagreed with me a little bit and that's totally fine. It's just, I think there's, that's the great thing about this movie is that there's so much to dig into and that's why it, it totally justifies the, the, the whole dedication you've given to the show, I mean, to the, to the movie. And um yeah, I mean, it was just like, it, there was a conversation somewhere in the middle of, of your miniseries about Toski and Armstrong's relationship. And it made me start to think about how like, it, you start to realize like Toski is, he's trying to, he's so obsessed in that first section of it, his first section of the movie in the, in the second act. And he is um, like, he, you know, he calls Armstrong and wakes him up in the middle of the night to tell it's because he's got the idea about the, the you know, there aren't a lot of basements in California. And, and Armstrong's like, you can tell he woke up Armstrong to call him and tell him this. And Armstrong is like, you know, poor guy's just trying to get some sleep. Like he can't check with the city planners in the middle of the night. He's like, yeah, I'll check with the city planners in the morning. And then he's like, he, t- he even tells Toski, like, get some sleep. I think is what he says to him. It's like, he's trying so hard to keep the boundaries up of making this just like a normal case. And Toski like refuses to let that be the case. He, he wants it to be everything because he's so obsessed with it. And it's like in that, I think after, you know, after Armstrong leaves and Toski kind of slows down a little bit, then, you know, then then it's like the obsession gets taken on by Graysmith more than anyone. And then Graysmith's the one who's bothering Toski. But in that first section where it's Toski and Armstrong, it's like the first time we meet Toski, he's dead asleep in bed and that's like the only time we see him actually like trying to live his life from that point on he's just obsessed yeah. and he's like trying to get armstrong to 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 be that same level of obsession like when armstrong's just enjoying his lunch you know he's like sitting there eating his lunch at the counter and then and he pushes and then... him away
0: from his own lunch it's the,
1: it's the <laughs> yeah. most it's such a fun <laughs> detail of like like i don't know if you i've
0: got a dear friend one of my like i would consider him like a brother and every time we go to in my local area we just pop down to a cafe and a few of my friends live around there and so we don't really tell each other we're all going there it's just kind of an agreement that we're going to be there and the kids are going to be there and like come in and we'll just grab an extra chair for the table and he is literally my you're gonna eat that like that's he's my you're gonna eat that <laughs> so if i'm halfway through like a delicious like bacon and egg roll <laughs> or something and there's another half of the plate he's kind of like you gonna eat that and i'm like i just push it over to it i'm just like Take, yeah <laughs> Take the sandwich and i just like lo- that's a, such a beautiful personal like you have to be a certain level of closeness and intimacy as friends that your friend can literally like bully you out of your sandwich and you just walk over and start making the calls on their behalf you know that's that's yeah a, a special thing i
1: love that scene it's such a great i mean it's, a, it's like a it's such a subtle i mean that movie you know fincher before that was always like putting his style out there so at the mm-hmm. forefront and then you see something like Zodiac, that that scene's a wonder and i don't think the camera moves it's just it's just holding there right there for that kind of like medium-wide two shot of just the the two of them at that diner and they just have their interaction. That's the whole scene. And it's just so simple. and so perfect. you just let those two actors play off each other and they're just so great with each other. But yeah. So Armstrong, he's just trying to take a lunch break, poor guy. And then (laughs) Toski comes in and is like, Hey, I got more work for you to do. And Armstrong's like, Oh, okay. I'll go check. You know? And it's just like, you just feel bad for the guy. And then like, you know, they're on, they're back on Washington and cherry on, uh, on Armstrong's birthday, like parked there at the corner. You know watching that spot it was just like i mean you, you don't know how that it, it how that got to be but like you know Toski was the one who was like let's go back to that corner and sit there on, on your birthday armstrong armstrong's <laughs> like yeah yeah okay all right let's go back and sit there on the fucking corner happy, sure. happy, birthday. <laughs> happy birthday he
0: doesn't even know it's his birthday some other hump in the force yeah. is
1: like happy birthday happy he birthday. doesn't even know it's his own partner's birthday the first time they yeah the, yeah, the, the very their first scene together it's oh. like uh yeah Toski. um that that relationship is just so fascinating to me and that's that scene i mean the the scene where armstrong says goodbye and we say goodbye to him it's such a perfect ending for his character and like you you feel a little bit of a betrayal but ruffalo's performance is so pitch perfect in that scene where he's like you can tell he feels a little bit betrayed and a little and he's upset but then he puts on a brave face to like make armstrong feel better and he's like no 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 it's fine like yeah yeah you you, you get hey you get to try the japanese food you know like he's like trying his best to like give armstrong peace to be like You're being able to walk away right now. I can't do that. But like I respect you for it and goodbye and like no hard feelings. And then you see Armstrong walk off. And you know, it's like a little bit hokey that his wife is waiting for him there, but it's so perfect because he's just like, that's Armstrong's ending. He walks off, gets to be with his family, and he's saying goodbye to this. And it's just so great.
0: The one detail I love about that is what we know about both of these guys is how many times have they ever been on time? How many times have they ever gotten back when they said they were going to get back? Like for anyone who's got a job, it's just a great relatable detail. There have been so many times for these podcasts, for every podcast I've ever done, where I tell my wife, bless her heart, that I'm going to be done at X time. I'm I'm (laughs) sure I'll be done at X time. Yeah. And then, I don't know, 50 minutes later than I said, I emerged from this office and she's like, you're 50 minutes late, you know? <laughs> and I just kinda like, I'm sorry. Like it, we, it, we, it was good, you know, it was happening. And so I just, I love that that time that she's down there, he's on time. He's arriving home when he said, yeah. and it's probably the only time that he could. Um, Let's go back as well. We go, we're going at this thing sideways and this is what I like about the sessions. I can be a little, little bit free flying when we talked about it. One thing we haven't talked about yet together was when you saw Zodiac originally, I know that you're a Fincher fan, obviously like up-and-coming filmmaker. He's one of our guys. We're of the same generation. So you kind of like, you're buying a ticket no matter what he's doing. But when you went to see that, I went and saw it on like a Saturday night with friends. We went out to dinner afterwards. I was a rare person in that group of friends. Everyone was like, oh my God, that was so like bleak and disturbing and I didn't like it. And I was like, this is the best movie I've ever seen. Like I was just, (laughs) I was just like, I was all in right from there. And they're like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, like it's life. I, I kind of was right on there from that first thing. And then as time grew and obviously, you know, we're talking all the way back in like 2007, there's no real, not really streaming there's like DVDs and Blu-rays and that's, what's ubiquitous. And so you just dying to get your hands on the DVD or the eventually the Blu-ray and that's the time that you can then sort of pour over it and revisit it. But I wondered do, what was your experience when you first saw the film and was it that immediate for you to have that love for it? Because I know how much you love it now.
1: Yeah. I, I tend to like when I, my favorite movies of the year, I end up usually going to see in the theater at least three times it just like become obsessed and this was one of those movies i remember a a big group of my friends um we all got tickets for like opening day and and all went to go see it together and uh we just we I, i think i'm pretty sure we all loved it immediately we were all just fascinated by the whole thing and i had a couple of friends who and my, my, my editor, who's one of my best friends, who's my roommate in college, um, he, uh, he also became obsessed and, and we ended up going, actually, while it was it didn't, at the tail end of its theatrical run, I think, we went to a screening with, uh, it was a, a Q&A with the editor, Angus Wall, that I got through, uh, a friend of mine, I got, was able to go to that screening, my, my, my good buddy, Grant, he's an editor, he, he uh, came and we, ta- we ended up talking to Angus Wall for like a half hour after the screening on the sidewalk afterwards. We were just totally, totally obsessed. And uh, I, I, like I immediately, because there's so much, because the movie, it just leaves you wanting, there's a reason why you keep coming back to it. The reason why I keep coming back to it and some people keep coming back to it, I think is there's so many questions that, that are left with you, especially after that first time I saw it. I was just like, wait, what? Like the, the way that it ended and the way I was just like, I, I cannot believe that like, how could it not be Arthur Lee Allen for sure? And like what was the whole deal with bob vaughn and that whole like thing i was just like what like, I, I like just became so obsessed I, I went out and got both of the books that robert Graysmith wrote it was like i think zodiac and zodiac and mast i think they're both yeah. called and immediately read those and like like underlined passages and like took <laughs> notes and like you know in the first book he wrote he's using code names he didn't use the actual names of people and so I like, you know, got found out what the actual names of the people and like had a little key for myself. So I would know who he's talking about when he's talking about them. And uh, yeah, I like just became obsessed, like fucking (laughs) Graysmith. My my wife, who actually like we uh, we were high school sweethearts. We broke up in college. We actually got back together Valentine's Day of 2007. But we were long distance at the time. And I remember telling her to go see it and she went to go see it with a friend and she was terrified of it, but she also was, even though he was, she was terrified after seeing the movie, she was so taken in by it as well that she's, I think she might be the only person who's watched the movie that I know more than me. She's so obsessed with it and watches it all the time. And that's how I'll catch like 20 minutes of here or there. Like if she's (laughs) got it on, I'll come in and watch little pieces of it. Um, But uh, anyway, I'm kind of all over the place, but, but uh, she, you know, she and I watch it every July 4th. We watch it other than that as well. And we've gone and visited all of the every July 4th. That's sites. a
0: good one. That's a good one for those listening every July 4th, throw it on. Oh yeah. Oh, July that's 4th, a, we put it on. That's sure. a great one.
1: And uh, yeah, so I mean, I, yeah, I became so totally obsessed with it and, and read up all the stuff about it and read the Graysmith books. And it, so it was an immediate obsession for me and it has not slowed down at all. And it took us, probably until I think 2018 was when we finally finished. It was kind of like if I was, if I was shooting, I was directing a show up in Portland. And so that gave us the opportunity when we were driving back from Portland, we stopped in the Bay area and visited a couple of the, of the Zodiac sites. And then there was another time where we went, we were like vacationing in like Morongo Valley or something like that. And so then we were like, Oh, let's stop by Riverside on the way home and let's check out the (laughs) library. And so we went there and, you know, so we've gone to all the different, zodiac sites my wife and i have done oh, it together so and uh you know it's it's uh it's a yeah, it's an obsession to say the least
0: i would really like to take my I, I really need to get over to la um and i i feel like i feel like the zodiac would be like the second part of the trip the zodiac sites that i'd probably do by myself because it would freak my wife out but i would absolutely make my wife come on a heat pilgrimage and take it every <laughs> every site that was yeah. in heat i'd be like babe <laughs>
1: you
0: can see there's the there's the airport you can see that there's the diner that's where yeah. breeden parked his car um here's where yeah <laughs> the um, there's
1: a couple of sites here in la too there's like the it's, it's closed now sadly but there was a diner that my friends and i used to go to it was callahan's diner and yeah. that's what's that's where that scene we were talking about earlier between armstrong and uh, toski and then later toski goes there with uh with 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 uh, Graysmith a couple of times, but I think what's interesting, that's what's so fascinating, like it's not the same diner. I think two of the scenes were shot in the actual Callahan's diner, but the final scene where it's the the climax of the movie it's, that's the greatest thing about this movie too. The climax of the movie is two guys sitting in a diner talking, and it's unbelievably compelling, and it's so great. But that that one is a set; it's not the actual Callahan's diner. Anyway, this is just random tidbits <laughs> about location. This, this is tidbits. <laughs>
0: That's what my friends tease me about. They're like, oh, is Has it, it got? A, is it another movie with two guys talking at a diner? I guess you're going to do a whole <laughs> podcast about it. <laughs> and I, and I can't, I can't argue. I just have to laugh and go, yep. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the kind of thing that I like. Two guys sitting in a diner, talking about <laughs> things, figuring shit out. Um, oh, no, that's good. Like, I'm really, it's, it's heart, it's heartening to hear. And it's also, you know, uh, I remember when I was studying some, I was doing film studies at university and I had this teacher who was doing this course on violence in film. And we were talking about like, I think what Zodiac did for me around this time, because he always talked about like, you know, action and then violence and movie violence, you know, some people are like, oh, it desensitizes you, it's this, it's that. But I've never been more disturbed about the reality of violence depicted on film than in that first, it, at the Lake Berryessa scene in this movie, like the violence, yeah. that, the violence that happens in the film to you, and and thankfully, Finchard knows how powerful it is because he cuts away after just about eight or nine seconds of it. He knows that that level of undiluted violence coming through the screen at you with the oral and the visuals and the music and the heightened performances and the big faces who are experiencing it for this movie ever since then like a lot of movie violence or a lot of stuff that happens in movies like action stuff is not disturbing anymore it's just like watching like it's just like watching a warner brothers cartoon you know like it's just (laughs) just like when rambo rips a guy's throat out in rambo four i'm like huh that's fun and uh, it's just not, it doesn't disturb me because it's not, it actually doesn't, it, there's no like real physics to people, there's no real fears. But in this movie that I remember is that, and, and then what's even stranger about that is that this movie's process, you know, the, whether it's, whether you call it process porn or termite art, it makes it rewatchable. It's, 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 this is the trap I've fallen into with some of the shows that I've done is that in the middle of the project that I'm doing, I start watching something else as a relief, as a getaway from the 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 key focus of what I'm working on, and then that catches me. And Zodiac had been a film that I'd been watching countless times. I'd put it on, and and probably a little bit less since I've had kids because it's really disturbing, <laughs> and, I <don't, laughs> and, and I don't want to freak them out. You know, slightly different from all the President's Men, where you can just have you know guys smoking in offices, and and that's fine. Right. You know, I, I, I'm quite lucky with that, but Zodiac's pretty disturbing, but that's, they just catch you. There is, despite the fact that it's so impactful, it also has this deep comfort that um what I really tried to explore on the show is like that inexplicable comfort that we all get from watching this thing happen Um and watching this series of terrible events depicted, why it's so, I don't know, relatable.
1: Yeah, I think, um I, it's something it's something just so mesmerizing about this movie that um i mean i think it, it's it's uh, it's just not your i mean i think you talked about this before in your show i'm sure plenty of times but um you know it's like all the murders happen in the first 25 minutes yes. and then it's like two hours and 20 minutes of um you know just i think what fincher described it as is it, it's like a being locked inside a filing cabinet yes it's what the, what the movie feels like and that's and you're just sort of. Going through all this information, it's something that I think he's done so well. I think from Zodiac on, I'm not that I love all of his movies, um, even going back to Alien 3, I know people shit on that movie, and I think it's actually really great. I love that one. Um, um, my great friend, Walter Chaw,
0: who's one of the world's best film critics, worked with Fincher very briefly on the Chauvois, um, which yeah. he did for Netflix with those uh, sort of like cinephile documentary style things. And Walter, uh, spoke about Walter Hill's 48 Hours, which is one of his favorite films. And when he was doing that, he said he told Fincher, he goes, I love Alien 3. And Fincher goes, oh, Walter, shut up, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> no. And Walter's just, like, laughed.
1: He's like, he's
0: like, no, I yeah. really like it. I think it's great. And uh...
1: <laughs> Yeah, Fincher has definitely disowned that one. They were doing, like, a career retrospective edit of, like, all of his footage, uh, I think for the DGA or something uh, when, when uh, Mank came out and there was footage of alien three included in the montage. And Fincher was like, um, actually, can you cut that out? <laughs> so they just, he just doesn't even count it um, as a movie. Ex- that excise, he's made, that. I think. excise that if you please. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, just from the opening studio the, the logo with the Elliot Goldenthal, like the way he alters the music in the yes. the, the Fox fanfare. It's just like, Oh my God, I'm in, I'm so in, <laughs> in this movie. I like both cuts, the, the, whatever, anyway, whatever. That's a digression. Um, what was I talking about? So uh, yeah. Like the way that he can, I think from Zodiac on has like, it's, it's in social network. It's in gone girl. It's in uh, dragon tattoo. The way that he can like throw unbelievable amounts of information at you. And yes. not he does not hold your hand. He is not, he's not not uh, not waiting for you to, to catch up. He's just like, this is it, this is what's happening. And if you can't keep up, he understands like that. The first time you see the movie, if you don't catch all that information, it's actually okay. And it actually makes you want to come back yes. and dig into all those little things, you know, the every little tiny detail that comes in and everything comes through. Um, it's just done with such care and uh it keeps you keeps you coming back i think that's part of it um but it obviously doesn't encompass all of the the obsession of wanting to come back and see these characters and um yeah it's it's so hard to depict obsession in a movie (laughs) and make it you know compelling you know i don't think a lot of people are able to do that well i think obviously like hitchcock and vertigo and you know de palma's done it plenty of times and um, but it's hard to do that. And they're hard to do it. Those, those, those obsessions in, in Hitchcock and De Palma are more like maybe sexually or romantically based. This is like information-based obsession. <laughs> and to keep that exciting for an audience is just unheard of. How do you, how do, you do that? It's, it's amazing. And I think you
0: nailed something there, which is even in scenes that are so fleeting, in his films, especially in this latter period since Zodiac and always really in his films, he's so dedicated to the, everything that they're creating, you know, the specificity of all of the different locations and all these things and and making sure that every detail of every location is perfect and precise. That if you are even minutely aware of what it takes to have a set or a house or a whatever police station look boundless, filled with people moving around. One person's smoking over here. One person's grabbing a coffee. Another person, three people having a conversation, all these things happening and how quickly he'll move past it. I think there's something in like real, real cinephile's heads that goes, wait, like he literally, they, they've, they vacated a floor of a building here and and every desk and every drawer has something in it you know it's there's something about like creating these amazing and immaculate and perfect things and then watching filmmakers navigating through them quickly and i think that's the all the president's men of it all for me is like they had the trash from the washington post in the bins in the set of all the president's men because they had it shipped in because they just wanted the office to feel completely lived in And it does, and there's stuff that's not happening in the immediate foreground. There's stuff in the deep, 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 deep background of like three people talking in an office to each other all the time. Sometimes with the actual lead actors portraying their characters, but we just don't hear what they're saying, having a separate conversation what you're hearing. And I think that that's the reward. I think there's just something about in Finch's work recently, and maybe it's all of his work, it's just like, he's got an audience that seems pretty tuned into like what he's trying to do. And so when we see all these details, you're just like, oh my God. And even up to Mank, which you know, some people loved and it's it had a little bit of a mixed reception also probably cause it went, you know, didn't get much of a theatrical run. I think it's part of it, but like they retweaked the whole sound for the movie. Like they mixed the whole movie and then they remixed it to sound like, to sound like a movie from the 1930s, you know, it, it yeah. just the sound, the sound is weird. Like I, I saw it in a theater, so I, 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 would, I was blessed to have like a proper sound system and you can just hear this like slight tin, slight crackle, slight weird echo that they're just like we're just gonna like we're gonna take it back through mono
1: right we're gonna we're gonna digitally <laughs> mix this
0: huge movie and we're gonna just squeeze it back through mono it's gonna have these weird crackles and out of the register and yeah so I, I i i think that that's one of the things that's like kind of amazing about it
1: yeah i mean it's the the it's again it's the amount of care that's that's put into every aspect of the filmmaking yes and you know you hear the like i've heard that I don't remember who said it, but so someone was saying like Fincher can do pretty much every job on set just as good or better than anybody who's <laughs> doing that job. And so he's like so demanding of, of everybody to make sure that they are doing that um, as as great as it deserves, the attention that it deserves. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's... it's uh, uh, it, it makes me yeah I, I, I revisit all of the movies i mean i think it's not just zodiac as the obsession because it's all like also like i mean i'm a huge fan of dragon tattoo and i me watch too. that one a lot too. and i think that you know for someone who never gets any credit for or people people um say that he can't show like he'd show emotions or anything like that in his movies like his movies are cold or whatever like that movie has so much emotion to me that gets me every time I watch it Um, from from both the Christopher Plummer story when he gets reunited at the end and and um, I don't want to say I guess if people haven't seen it I don't know if spoilers or whatever but there's that that reunion at the end that gets me emotional every time and then there's the very end of the movie which just breaks my fucking heart every time I watch it um, and leather jacket yeah.
0: in the trash. It's awful.
1: Yeah. Oh it's my awful. God. And that, that piece of music too, from, from Reznor and Ross, it's just like, Oh my God, just kills me every time. It's yeah. so good. Their, and their relationship, Dale Craig and, and uh, Rennie Mara like their characters It's just so good.
0: Yeah. And I love, I, I want to recommend to anyone, if you can get your hands on the dragon tattoo disc that has the commentary, it's so nice because Daniel Craig is a phenomenal actor and like, obviously he's James Bond. So once you have a role like James Bond, you become larger than life. But, um, Fincher just praised everything he did. He's like, he's just amazing. He just does, he can just turn up and give you everything. He's got 20 different ways. He's a proper, like, I feel like it's like with a legend like Fincher, who just like gushes about you as an actor like and you know it's rare to hear him like properly gush about an actor like he gushes about kate blanchett and he gushes about daniel craig and he gushes about mark ruffalo and 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 um and uh oh my god i'm trying to think of who else in the other commentary tracks but but that particular one shocks me because oh and obviously rooney right like he's just like she's amazing but the The Daniel Craig of it all, I love in that movie because I think he's such an underrated performance. I just love even the way he hangs his glasses off of his ear. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, does that? (laughs) that."
1: Well, I think that's something that started also with Zodiac. Is like there's a certain Fincher character that I feel like happens in a lot of these movies where like that just and this is me. I don't know, maybe going out too much of a limb, but I feel like he has this sort of metrosexual. Wait, 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 wait,
0: wait, wait, wait you think that you're after i've done those, that you're going well, my, out on well, limb. i just want to tell all future guests and listeners no one can go far enough out on a limb on any show if
1: please i just i like there's the way when you when you hear fincher talk the way he speaks the way he acts in, in his interviews and, the, and the just just you know i've listened to all those commentaries are so great that dragon tattoo commentary like you said is so great i love the moment when. Uh, Daniel Craig like knocks a water bottle off the fridge, and the way Fincher describes it, he's like, "Yeah, sometimes if you do, he says like forty takes or whatever, then you luck into Daniel Craig doing a Fred Astaire move to go over and catch this (laughs) water bottle before it hits the ground or whatever." Anyway, so that commentary is so great, but Fincher, um, like his, he has this kind of like uh, just way of speaking, this sort of like metrosexual presentation, the way he dresses and all this stuff, And I feel like it it bleeds into. I think it's like the, uh, it's Robert Downey Jr. in Zodiac. It's Daniel Craig in Dragon Tattoo. It's a little bit of Justin Timberlake in Social Network. It's a little bit of Neil Patrick Harris in uh, in uh-huh. Girl. Like to me, these are all, oh, it's actually a little bit also, um, there's some, so many lines that when they do the big reveal of Stellan Skarsgård and Dragon Tattoo, that scene in the basement, the way that he speaks in that scene to me, I'm like, Skarsgård is just doing a Fincher. Imperson- impersonation <laughs> he's like he's like you and i aren't that different you and i or what does he say like you, we're not that different you and i we, we both have obsessions mine just require more towels or whatever the way he says <laughs> it in this specific uh cadence it just feels so fincher. Can, but this is
0: can i get some internet boffins maybe it's your boy who's an editor we need to cut daniel craig has two of the best uh psychosexually loaded scenes in cinema like almost in a few years back to back he has that one at the end of Dragon <laughs> Tattoo where he's like oh i've never had a man in here and all of that <laughs> and then he has that brilliant one with um with Javier Bardem in Skyfall where he's like you think it's right. my first time
1: oh my god someone I love that someone needs to
0: clip them together so we could just watch those scenes just those those, <laughs> those scenes over and again because they're just so goddamn wonderful they're just amazing yeah but, that but that's Stellan Skarsgård scene is just phew, he's out of this world he's just yeah he's so good
1: but there's, there's something about those those male characters the, the ones that I listed I think that are all kind of similar they're not they're not like super masculine. They're kind of, they, they, you know, they have, uh, I don't know, just, I can't quite put my finger on exactly what I'm trying to say, but you know what I mean? Like they all kind of have a similar quality that feels kind of Fincher-esque where they're like very intellectual and not like super athletic guys or anything like that. They're just like these kind of, I don't know metrosexual characters. If that makes <laughs> it's,
0: any it's, sense, it's, it's so funny to be like, what? What's the director's? What's the director's avatar in this movie? Because everyone like harps on the Chris Nolan of it all. It's like, oh yeah, you know, Robert Pattinson's just playing Chris Nolan in Tenet, and Chris Nolan is just like wishing he was leonardo dicaprio in inception and those sorts of things and so it's like that's that's funny to to be like where is where is the guy where is, where is the, yeah where is the guy <laughs> where is he where, who, who? i mean it's, who, it's i mean part? there's
1: also of course like there's the aspect of like the because sm- there's rooney mara in dragon tattoo and there's uh you know there's jesse eisenberg in social network it's like the aspect of like the young brash smartest person in the room and that's totally a different side of fincher i think that that yes. shows up in these movies as well but uh, yeah, I'm just always thinking about, I don't know, these, the, that, that side of Fincher too, that I think that uh, the, that way of speaking and everything that he does, I feel is, this, is like, it springs up in those other side characters that show up in these movies, I feel like.
0: That's a reading that's so nice. that's I like that. <laughs> I like, I, I, it's something we didn't explore. Where is Fincher in this movie? And I feel like, yeah, there he is. He's right there. And you know where Fincher is in Zodiac? He's Bob Vaughn. you think so uh, because in that moment charles flasher so when when i was speaking to robert graysmith which is insane
1: by the way um I know. I, like I was, I was just, I was like, I was just on pins and needles <laughs> listening to all those episodes, hearing him talk about all that stuff.
0: I can't, can't believe it. Anyway, so I'm still a bit. I still forget. Like it's almost like your brain. You have to keep cognitive distance of like when I spoke to X person. You're like, oh my god, that's just that couldn't have been real. It was too awesome. Um, but when I spoke <laughs> to him, he just said that he. And and it was and he validated it was actually a conversation with James Vanderbilt where it was van Jamie Vanderbilt. Fincher, Brad Fisher, Gray Smith—they're all talking, <clears throat> and in one of their conversations, they get to the basement. And, he, and oh yeah, Jay- I love and, and, and I loved Jamie, this part. Yeah. And Jamie Vanderbilt was just like Fincher goes, Robert, why the hell did you go down in the? basement? <laughs> <laughs> love I love that. I just and that was like last, and he's like, yeah. Fincher's like, why'd you go in the basement? Because I don't know. Like, and and I I think that when you then get to that scene you got charles fleischer because it's like oh the guy did roger rabbit and there's like this perverse play that vanderbilt and fisher and fincher are doing oh we're going to cast charles fleischer that's hilarious and then fleischer coming into the movie and just like literally being this massive you know embodiment of a red herring just to be there to like yeah. poke you and then how <laughs> much fun he has i'm like that's fincher he's yeah, having that, so that makes much sense. fun poking and prodding and scaring living daylights out of us and like the reality of the situation is he did really go down to that basement which is insane and it's like a paragraph in both of the books and you're like why 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 would you do that (laughs) um and and so yeah i think it's um and and you
1: connected it didn't you in your show you connected it to the dragon tattoo yes moment when he's like you know the, the, that that great lines Stellan scars has where he's like it's hard to believe people are you know afraid to afraid to defend someone let, you know, more or, afraid or to of, be
0: rude yeah more afraid to be rude than to
1: yeah. die than, than their own personal safety yeah i mean yeah. it's amazing god uh, i love that movie
0: oh man well look this is just the tip of the iceberg i'm sure we could probably go on for many hours but i just want to say thank you so much for saying such lovely things um about the show and thank you so much for getting in touch. Um, and, uh, I've been wanting this to happen for a long time and I love, um, I'm, I'm not going to share, I'm not going to share them all. I am, I may share one photo of uh, Charles doing his best Mark Ruffalo impression, which he sent me, which I love. <laughs> <laughs> um which i absolutely love uh which one uh,
1: i did because i did one in, in no, callahan's diner and i did, I did one another one on the street at it, it,
0: washington and cherry Cal- uh, maybe one, either one of those you one can do both of those one, <laughs> one where
1: you one where
0: you're stuffing your face with a burger one where you're standing in washington and cherry i love that They're both, both.
1: <laughs> i was actually there having breakfast so it was two pancakes that i put together <laughs> to make it look like a burger but yes
0: oh, that is good. <laughs> i didn't notice that I didn't notice that. Uh, the commitment to the bit, ladies and gentlemen, it's just yeah. fantastic. Look, But Charles, thank you, man, so much. Um, it's been so great. Staying in touch uh, for the series, and uh, and I thought I would finally poke my head up for air. Um, yeah. Now to to get this out, and I will um, probably put a few longer episodes just on our Patreon. Um, if if people are keen uh, and you're listening, this one will probably be go up on our Patreon and actually go into our main feed as a little bonus episode of a Zodiac session, um, for you guys listening. Um, but uh, and and one last thing I want to tell you as well, because this will only go these episodes will only go to our Patreon. So Donald Logue who's one of the stars of Zodiac, uh, came on the show and. And we recorded an episode, of podcast that went for something like two and a half hours. (laughs) And there were stories about making uh, making the Thin Red Line. There were stories about just everything. Like just this amazing stuff that has just never been released yet. And I've just been waiting because I'm like, I'm going to just start putting those out on our Patreon. So if you want to hear some great fantastic movie stories from the great Donald Logue. You're gonna have to get onto our Patreon for that. But one of the things he said was hilarious, the great Angus Wall, who you said you were chatting to on the side of the street, right, who edited Zodiac. He said one time he was in New York City and he was walking around and Angus was in a park, like sitting down, he said, hey Angus, how you doing? And Angus was sitting on his laptop editing Zodiac. (laughs) <laughs> He's like, hey man, I'm just editing. Like he was just like taking a break, getting outside, <laughs> took it out in his laptop. I'm like, oh my god, that is the coolest thing ever. Like you're in the, you're in a nice sunshiny day in New York City in the park, and there's Angus Wall. Like you know, typing something t- t- on his laptop. <laughs> Amazing. Um, but man, thank you so much for this. Um, please shout out. I know that most people, and it'll all be linked in uh, the show notes and things like that. But please shout out. The great light the fuse and light the fuselage podcast and give a little shout out come on and any other real little shorts or films or anything like that that's coming out that people need to check out
1: oh yeah yeah um well so light the fuse is uh, for all things mission impossible i think it's like a great show that's about filmmaking and and but it's through the lens of mission impossible so even if you just have a slight interest in mission impossible but you like you know you want to hear about great filmmaking for we get all these amazing people who worked on the movies we get you know, I think people who are unsung heroes in the business, like cinematographers, production designers, costume designers, you know, composers, everybody who worked on these movies, um, who are all amazing at what they do, and they're they're given so much uh, creative freedom to do what they to make these those movies as great as they are uh so yeah that's light the fuse which is anywhere you listen to podcasts uh but go to our website light the fuse and you'll see you know where to get to there and there's an episode guide with a whole bunch of show notes for all of our episodes we've had almost 200 episodes now wow which is crazy and then and just now it's on the same spot but light the fuselage we're just doing this it's just a stupid pun title for for top gun (laughs) maverick uh we're just doing a little mini series about top gun maverick right now and so we just we've got eddie hamilton on the editor right now which is this amazing epic chat with him who we also had joseph kaczynski the director ah, so yeah that was a great chat i
0: mean amazing with kaczynski but let me tell you as a real geek who truly like the fuses a brilliant show and and just the amazing digressions you take some of the filmmakers that come on the show who've been part of the mission um uh uh, was it cinematographer was it bob richardson that you guys had on
1: uh, Robert Elswit was the, was Robert, the El- Robert Elswit. Did, I'm sorry. Four and five. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Robert Elswit coming on was one of my favorite conversations of all time. A person yeah. who gives no fucks. Uh, about <laughs> anything. That was great-
1: like the, that was pretty early on. And that was like one of the big things that broke through and got <laughs> us a bunch of news attention because I asked him, will you work with Paul Thomas Anderson, Anderson again? again? And he said, probably not. And that yeah. like got all this in like, that was like our first big, like breakthrough. I mean, we'd had Christopher McCory on before that, I think, but, that was like a big, uh, like a big deal. I got a lot of news attention from oh that because people were like heartbroken and be like, Oh my God, what, why are they not gonna work together again? It was, it was crazy.
0: That was crazy. Yeah. One of my favorite episodes, but even in your latest episode with Eddie Hamilton, geeking out about using the exact right fonts in Top Gun Mavericks <laughs> opening credits just got <laughs> we, me right we in my heart too much of,
1: about fonts. I no, agree. no, no, you
0: didn't <laughs> talked exactly the right amount because I even said to my friends, I'm like, you know, they're like, oh, Top Gun: married good. I'm like, it's amazing. It's just incredible. One of the best cinematic experiences I can remember. And I'm like, it had me at the fonts, like the font, <laughs> in the opening credits. The once, God, once the font, the, just when, right. When the font came right. I was like, oh boy, this is so good. It's so uh- good. <laughs> Uh, uh, but I,
1: I should also say I am a director. I have uh, I I don't you know if you're in the states I'm not sure where these things are outside of the states. But I have my movie that I directed and co-wrote is called Night Owls. It's on HBO Max currently. It's also on uh, Canopy, I think, which is that service that you get if you have a library card for free. We've
0: got Canopy. We've got Canopy in Oz, so you could probably check it out on that. But with HBO Max, if, if for any of our Oz listeners, jump on to. Uh, jump onto Foxtel or Binge, I think it's here in Australia, which is like the kind of they have a deal with HBO Max that certain things jump over. So yeah, absolutely jump over there, check it out, or get a VPN, guys, and sort yourself out with HBO
1: Max. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like, I mean, <laughs> it's, pay also, for it's it's it. a, it's, pay re- for it, re- but, it's rentable. Yeah, it's rentable yeah. too Rent on like it. Amazon and Apple and stuff like that too. Do that. Um, And then I I did did a movie a couple years ago. I directed it. I did not write it. It's called uh, a nasty piece of work. It was part of this Blumhouse uh, series of anthology movies they did uh, called into the dark. And I did did the, they did a a movie every month. It was for a different holiday and I got to do the Christmas movie and it's this, you know, kind of very, very dark comedy, (laughs) like an even darker version of who's afraid of Virginia Woolf (laughs) Uh, somehow. (laughs) And uh, yeah, it's called a nasty piece of work that's on Hulu in the States. And I I know they have distribute, Blumhouse does distribution through other Avenues uh, outside of the United States, so I'm not sure where it is. I don't think either, I don't think Hulu exists outside of the United States, so I'm not sure where that. It's would be, sort of
0: on. We out. have Disney Plus Star here, so me, maybe okay. it's there. Uh, I'll see if I can find it. I'll make sure I link it to the to the right stuff. But this has been a treat, Charles. Thank you so much for chatting. Yeah, we'll probably chat again, maybe back on your feed. I think I'm going to come over and visit you and Drew um, to talk some Top Gun Mav um, in more detail. Oh, hopefully. Um, so I'm, I love I'm, that. I'm looking forward I'm looking forward to that. Look, any chance I can to, to gosh, and uh um any any chance i uh, i get and i was trying and i'm gonna I,
1: i'm 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 totally i'm gonna crash your master and commander podcast i can't yeah. wait to, i love that movie so much even if you don't have me i'm just gonna be listening to every single no episode. no you, so you're great
0: you're on um you're absolutely on <laughs> I, I, i'm gonna actually i'm gonna I'm use forcing this epi- you at gunpoint i'm, I'm paying I'm, you I'm right use, now i've, I'm gonna, I've
1: just venmoed you to make sure that i I'm, get on the show i'm gonna use
0: this episode <laughs> i'm gonna use this right now to say Academy Award winning director, Pete Ramsey, who directed Into the Spider-Verse is a huge, uh, is a huge Peter Weirhead and he will be on the show.
1: Oh, amazing.
0: Walter Chaw, um, who is an incredible Peter Weirhead too, is on the show really to talk about um, what what some people may not know about Walter. He's also one of the, one of the like, a f- f- most incredible insightful people to talk about romantic poetry so we start going down a deep dive on coleridge andrew Colley, who co-wrote the film has done a massive epic chat with us about making it about what it wow. was like to work with we um, lee zachariah is one of my dear friends a great film critic and a producer here in oz of uh, like lots of different news and an author he's on the show peter we himself is on ever so briefly um so i'm just managing everyone's expectations but i'm just waiting because um <laughs> captain That's jack amazing. himself russell crow will be on the show what it's just not recorded yet so when that happens when captain jack comes on and i get to see the lay of the land of what we have i will then like what we've kind of turned this show into when we do our big series is kind of like audio documentaries so i kind of like get my footage together. And then I have a general gist of how the show is going to work. Um, and then we script the show and, and we work how the show is going to work out and how I want you guys to hear it. And, um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm now just waiting, biding my time very patiently, uh, while Mr. Russell Crowe is filming a film and as soon as he's off that film and he has a moment of time, I'm going to get a couple of hours of lucky Jack. Oh and, my God. And then. Then That's we're gonna, incredible. Then we're going to launch this podcaster and commander podcast with a bang. But when that happens, Charles, you're going to get a bat signal almost immediately um, that says, uh, or, oh, sorry, you're going to get a bell and you're gonna, your watch is coming up um, on, on the HMS surprise. So um, you're going to it's, it's going to be pretty, pretty exciting when that all sort of starts to go down.
1: I cannot wait to, to hear that. That's awesome.
0: Guys, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you on another episode of Zodiac Sessions or anything we're doing at One Heat Minute Productions very soon.